from an undisclosed location in Boise, where we're not above retaliatory gestures of piracy, this is not the Point of Personal Privilege podcast. And this is not Seth O'Gilvie and Melissa Dafflin, as you've probably gathered. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin, and you're listening to Extra Credit, our weekly education podcast from Idaho Education News, broadcasting live in Boise. We were just having a little fun uh, with one of our podcast rivals. Because but they started it. <laughs> because they started it. So, so last, a- week, last week, uh, our, our friends at the Periodic uh, Point of Personal Privilege podcast, they, they did do a podcast. And part of their uh, their podcast was a treatment of the plagiarism issue in light of the Melania Trump speech at the RNC and the controversy surrounding it. So uh, Seth and Melissa decided that for fun they would do our intro to their podcast. Seth did this really obnoxious impersonation of the bell that we use. I mean, it was... It was it was gruesome, but it was funny, and it was all in good fun. So, And we're not above uh, infantile retaliatory gestures, are we, Kevin? The best retaliatory <laughs> gestures are infantile, so uh, so we've got that out of our system. Well, let's and, get back on track. Let's yes, get back into yes. it. Lots it's of been important stuff this week. A busy week on education, even though school's out. We're in the middle, uh, I guess, approaching the halfway point of the summer here. Um, but you uh, covered a couple interesting things this week. You looked into the state of Idaho's amicus brief that they filed uh, in regards to the Obama administration and the Department of Justice's uh, guidelines on restroom facilities for transgender students. But there was kind of a discrepancy in some of the numbers when we talk about education funding. What does it mean, and, and, and what did you find out, Kevin? Okay, so... Brief uh, legalese here. The amicus brief is technically it's a friend of court brief. And what it means is that Idaho has uh, filed on behalf of the plaintiffs that are suing over the transgender student policy. Idaho is not a plaintiff to the lawsuit, but they are sympathizing with the other states that have filed the lawsuit, Texas and other states. So last Friday, Idaho filed its uh, amicus brief in uh, federal court in Texas. That's where the, uh, the suit is based. Uh, we knew it was coming. Uh, the governor's office had said that they were going to do an amicus brief, so it was just a matter of time. Looking at the brief, and you can download the brief. Go to our stories at idahoednews.org. You can download the, the brief for yourself. You can read what I've read and, and take a look at the, the state's argument. The underpinning of the state's argument, and it's not unique to Idaho, is... These guidelines, as the uh, White House has called them, are not really guidelines at all. What they really do is they threaten and jeopardize uh, considerable education funding that the federal government passes through to the states. And this is where it gets kind of dicey, and mm-hmm. this is where I focused a lot of the coverage this week. The numbers are, uh, are confusing at best. In the, in the amicus brief, Idaho talks about $161 million that's at stake, and this is a, a direct aid to K-12 students. That's not all of the money that the, that the feds give to the K-12 system, but at the same time, uh, the brief that was filed by Cal Younger, uh, Governor Otter's attorney, staff attorney, suggests that uh, the state gets 34% of its education funding from the feds. As far as K-12 funding goes, that's not the case at all. No, I've sat through those JFAC meetings uh, probably for the last five years. This year, it's about a $1.6 billion uh, general fund fund support uh, for K-12 education. We're paying that through our taxes. And about $250 million of federal money that goes into K-12. So crunch the numbers, it comes out to about 13% of the K-12 budget. 
stems from the federal government. Now, I asked for clarification from the governor's office, and that came a couple of days after my first story. You can read both of the stories and, and kind of sort through this for yourself. Uh, what the governor's office is saying is uh, that they accounted for other education funding from the federal government. And here we're talking about contracts and grants that go to the universities. Right. Uh, we're talking about money for career technical. Um, and that's how they get to this uh, 34% figure. So the, the numbers are, like I say, they're confusing. There are a lot of numbers being tossed around. The bottom line of this case and what the court in Texas is going to have to decide is, are these guidelines appropriate? Are they coercive? Right. Um, what Idaho is seeking and what the states are seeking is an injunction that would block the uh, block the guidelines across the nation. And just to boil it down to the simplest possible terms, whatever the number, whatever the math, the state is concerned that all uh, federal funding, that's, that's the position they're outlining in their brief, their concern is that all federal funding could be jeopardized as a result of, of these guidelines, which and they say are not necessarily guidelines. Right. And let's quick not lose sight of the policy issues in the classroom. What we're talking about are a lot of, uh, a lot of planks to the, uh, the Obama administration's guidelines, one having to do with uh, school facilities, school restrooms, locker rooms. A lot of school districts are already dealing with this, and some have used uh, guidelines that are fairly similar to what the Obama administration spelled out uh, in May, because the Idaho School Boards Association did a guideline, you know, again, non-binding recommendations, suggestions from the association, and their suggestions on facilities and restrooms are almost identical to what came from the Obama administration. So in the classroom across the state, this is already being dealt with. All right. Uh, I want to move on to a couple of other stories you got to. I also want to say thanks to Ophelia and Linda, who are watching us on Facebook Live uh, from Caldwell and Hayden, respectively. And we're going to have a prize for you. We'll get in touch with you after our broadcast ends. We also have a couple more prizes to give away, uh, so there's still time uh, yep, so to like us uh, and comment on Idaho Education News. But thanks to everyone who is joining us. Uh, speaking of money, speaking of support for education, you had a chance to go out and cover the annual distribution from the Idaho lottery to public schools. You may have seen this in the commercials talking mm -hmm. about how the lottery benefits schools and the permanent building fund. We set a record this year, didn't we not, Kevin? What was, uh, what was the news and, and, and what's the amount um, that the, the lottery is going to hand over to schools in the permanent building fund? Right. So what happened was we had... Record lottery sales this year. Uh, lottery ticket sales were the highest in the history, the 27-year history of the state lottery, and that translates to a record payday for K-12, because K-12 is one of the beneficiaries of the state lottery. So their cut, the K-12's cut, is uh, about $31 million, so it's about 10% above where it was a year ago. Where does that money go? Well, it doesn't go into salaries. It doesn't go into ongoing programs, because it is basically one-time money. And it's... You know, let's face it, it's a small chunk compared to a $1.6 billion uh, general fund for K-12. So what happens with the $31 million? It's put towards building projects, uh, repaying on building projects. What we heard during the uh, the press conference at, um, at Valley View Elementary, uh, Boise Elementary School. Uh, full disclosure, it's where my youngest son went to grade school, so uh, I'm, a, I'm a Valley View dad, so it's kind of nice to be out there even in 100-degree heat. <laughs> what we heard... Uh, was that Valley View and the Boise District used uh, its share of the money to upgrade a parking lot that was really antiquated for an older school where there's a lot more traffic than there was when the school opened in 1969. This was a chance for 
the Boise district to get this job done without having to go to the voters, without having to uh, go into a bond issue. We heard from a Pocatello principal who said, you know, we just used our money to put walls around the computer lab. Doesn't sound like a big deal, but we were actually able to have a private computer lab for testing and the library, the adjoining library, could still be accessed by students because they didn't have to worry about stepping into a testing room. And that was the principal's tests. point, that it really frees up uh, that library to be used by the rest of the student body when the testing is yeah, going on. So it's kind of something a, you wouldn't think about. But yeah. uh, in this grade school in Pocatello, they basically had to shut down their library for six weeks at a time during the testing window. So this they opens don't have to do that up. anymore. So, you know, little stories, little anecdotes of how that money is spent, so again, $31 million to the public school system, about uh, $19 million, uh, give or take, to the permanent building fund for state buildings. So, I didn't, a big year. I remember there were some big jackpots on the Powerball last year. I didn't win the jackpot, uh, but it is good to know uh, that that money goes back and benefits the public schools. If you're curious a little bit more about that story, you can hop on over to IdahoEdNews.org and check out Kevin's uh, reporting there. Let's look back closer to home because you spent a good chunk of this week uh, out meeting with a couple of new superintendents in the Treasure Valley. Uh, tell us, uh, tell us about them and what their approaches are going to be. I had kind of a fun week. I, I enjoy uh, the more serious, the more accountability type stories. But this week, I was on the road uh, visiting superintendents in two of the Canyon County school districts. Uh, first off, I went out to Caldwell and I met with new superintendent Shalene French. Uh, Dr. French is actually someone I've known for several years because she was uh, in kind of a deputy superintendent's role, a human resources role in the Bonneville School District. And that's where, uh, before we started Idaho Ed News, I was in Idaho Falls reporting for the Post-Register newspaper there. So I had known her for a little bit. Um, but she's excited to take on uh, this role in Caldwell. She replaces interim superintendent Jody Mills, who was filling in after the ouster of former superintendent Tim Rosendick. So there has been some turmoil in the Caldwell School District, and I talked about that uh, with Dr. French. Um, but it, hands full. There, there are a lot of challenges in this district, a lot of turmoil that's gone on in the past year or so. Yeah, they have, they have demographic challenges. They have a lower go-on rate uh, than the statewide average, and, uh, and they've had some turmoil. Really high poverty rates. High poverty, turnover, uh, it, both among the school board and their previous superintendent. But interestingly, Dr. French has come up with a document that she published on her first week on the job, kind of outlining her strategy for success within her first 100 days in office. And uh, if you want to find out more about her plan, it's at IdahoEdNews.org. But it starts with student achievement uh, for Shalene French, and I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, we've heard a lot about the politics uh, and the clashes uh, between school boards and, and administrations in some districts. Uh, but she's coming in right off the bat and talking about uh, things like student achievement, things like our, our third graders reading uh, at the appropriate grade level. So if you want to find out a little bit more about her and the transition in Caldwell, uh, that was the first story I did. And then there's Middleton Squared. The second, yeah. Um, the Middleton era beginning in the Middleton School District. Uh, I went out to Middleton, uh, which is another Canyon County uh, school district, and their superintendent, his name is actually Middleton. So Josh Middleton, the school administrator, has joined the Middleton School District as a new superintendent. He replaces uh, retiring Superintendent Rich Bauscher, who we had done mm -hmm. uh, some fun stories about earlier this summer. 
Uh, but Dr. Middleton uh, comes to Idaho by way of Montana. He was an administrator and a principal in the Laurel and the Billings School District. And he kind of took retirement from Montana and took a sabbatical for a year. And now he's getting back into education. Even though he's retired, he's a younger guy. He's, you know, just 53 years old. Um, and, and he's excited to take on uh, this new challenge, this new role in the Middleton School District. But he's going to have to get to work right off the bat, Kevin, because as you know... And if we have reported, uh, even though Middleton is a smaller, more rural district, there's a lot of growth, a lot of residential development is going in in Middleton. And so they're already eyeing going to the voters with a bond issue proposal in March uh, next, next spring. And so as we know, there's that tough two-thirds supermajority mm -hmm. threshold that you have to exceed to get a bond passed. And so that will be one of his first big test. He's also interested in getting to know the community, getting to know Idaho education policy, school funding laws, and that sort of thing. Uh, but he, he's excited about it. And he actually spent, this was interesting, the last few weeks of Dr. Bauscher's tenure in June, uh, Josh Middleton was already there, uh, kind of learning the ropes before his official start date. And another interesting thing about Dr. Middleton is he actually moved to the city of Middleton itself, wanting to be close to that community, wanting to be able to participate in extracurricular activities. So if you're interested with the school year coming up, uh, for some districts at the end of August, for others in September, if you're interested in some of the changes, um, you, can, you can check out our site uh, to learn more about the new superintendents in those two school districts. And, and you know, and we'll cover uh, their transition and we'll check in with those districts uh, and their leaders throughout the year to kind of give folks uh, updates for sure to right. see how that's going. But that's out there. Uh, and then, Kevin, last week we talked a little bit about the RNC. This week you had a chance to uh, kind of, uh, uh, you know, above the uh, Bernie or Bust booze, you mm -hmm. actually could uh, go down and drill down into some of the education policy they talked about, particularly in the Democratic Party platform. Some of it kind of mirrors what we've seen in Idaho. Some of it doesn't. What, what did you find out? What, what might be kind of some of the interesting things uh, that went on in, in Philadelphia this week? Well, as I looked at the Democratic platform on education and, um, and wrote about it, a, a couple of things really jumped out at me as kind of recurring themes. Uh, a lot of talk about the achievement gap, about narrowing the achievement gap between uh, more affluent schools and low-income schools. Uh, you see that over and over in the platform. You see a lot of talk about college affordability, and that's an issue that gets some discussion at the state house as Idaho talks about uh, its go-on rates, its uh, college attendance and college completion rates. Uh, Democrats talking about everything from making community college free to debt-free four-year college to trying to allow graduates to refinance their existing loans. So a lot of talk there and a lot of talk about uh, the state of teaching and trying to support uh, teachers in the classroom. And this took a lot of forms, uh, including uh, talking about the assessment process, that uh, opposing the idea of using uh, assessments as a as a measure in the evaluation process. For the test and punish or, mindset that we hear about. Teachers or principals. So you saw those as kind of recurring themes, and not surprisingly, uh, a lot of difference in philosophy on education between the Democratic platform and the Republican platform that we wrote about last week. You can go to ednews.org. You can read kind of my synopsis of both of the platforms, and you can link to the platforms themselves and, and make your own determination. Yeah, so that's there. That's there to dive into. 
Um, and I think that gets us caught up with the news that we covered this mm-hmm. week. And there's a lot of good stuff also on the website uh, that you, you might, want, might want to read if you haven't already at idahoednews.org. We have a profile of uh, Angela Hemingway, the director of uh, the state's STEM Action Center. We have some news out of eastern Idaho from our new eastern Idaho reporter, Devin some, Bodkin. Some labor issues in uh, the Sugar Salem District and some building issues and building demands uh, in the Idaho Falls School District, so you can get cut up there if you're uh, interested in what's going on in the eastern part of the state. And then next week is kind of really when we start thinking about back to school. I know it seems a couple weeks early, uh, but next week in Boise, hundreds of school administrators, so that's going to be your principals, your superintendents are going to gather in Boise for the annual Idaho Association of School Administrators Conference. And I talked with their executive director, uh, Rob Winslow, and we'll have a preview story out Monday. We'll be there uh, every day next week. Uh, reporting live from the conference, but this is a chance you got to keep in mind uh, going back to the legislative session, most of the new laws, most of the new policy that was set at the beginning of this year is just taking effect this month and so this conference is really a chance for school administrators to come together and to meet with folks from the State Department of Education, the State Board of Education, and find out how these new laws work, uh, how they're going to affect uh, their classrooms and their school districts. We talk about that implementation phase that sometimes gets kind of lost in the shuffle. We we in the media tend to talk a lot about the the passage of laws and the uh, adoption of policy, but the implementation is is really where it it all comes down to... uh, it really affects kids, it really affects uh, schools and families. One of the big ones is this big literacy intervention piece that you and I have talked about, Kevin. The state invested some, I think, $9.1 million in uh, support to help struggling young readers uh, build up their literacy skills. That's brand new for this year. And so districts are going to have to decide uh, what they're going to do with their share of the money uh, to help with these literacy programs in their school districts. I expect that to be a topic of conversation next it's week at ASA. For us. It's a big in- initiative that we're spending a lot of time writing about and uh, looking towards writing about even more when the school year starts. They're also going to have some awards uh, at the end of the conference. Superintendent of the Year, Administrators of the Year. We will cover those. We will have profiles of the award winners. And so we'll be out at IASA all next week. You can look for coverage of it at IdahoEdNews.org. You can follow us on Twitter at IdahoEdNews. Like us on Facebook for all the latest. Speaking of our social media connections, I want to let our listeners and our viewers know that our photo contest ends Monday. This is something that we started a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to give away $100. And all we're asking folks to do to have a chance to win this $100 gift card is to find uh, the relevant post on our Facebook page, the Idaho Education Facebook page, and tag us with a summer, a fun summer photo, right. uh, and share that out. And of those photos, you can actually go on there and see a bunch of fun photos. They are cool photos. Uh, from families, from teachers. See what people are doing with their summer break, and we're gonna go through uh, and pick one of those and give out a hundred dollar gift card. So you don't want to miss that. Right. You want to taking pictures while you're out there this summer anyway. You may as well submit them to us, and you might win a uh, hundred dollar gift card. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you can check that out. Don't want to miss out on that. The deadline is Monday. I also want to thank Gene and April uh, for watching us on Facebook Live. We're going to have Ed News prizes uh, for you guys. So thank you for watching from Meridian. And I think that just about uh, wraps up uh, the Extra Credit Podcast this week. I want to thank everybody for listening, everybody for watching live today on our live morning broadcast. We'll be back again next week. But meanwhile, I'm Clark. I'm Kevin. Have a good week. 